Today, I want to ask you guys something very important. I'm asking you guys to share your story. It's so important that we have other women and men that are able to share their story. Narcissistic abuse is emotional abuse. It's mental and psychological. And what we're trying to do here is educate other people as far as how to recognize some of the behaviors that are affecting people and they don't even know. Or if they're in their healing journey, like you and several of our other viewers are trying to get past, we really need you sharing your stories so that someone can relate. Your story and your walk and why you went through what you went through is really to help other people. We would really love if you could contact us and share your story and be willing to be bold and educate, encourage and empower other people who have had to walk in this situation or who have nowhere to turn like once you and I have been. Please contact us, email us at lifeoflivingabundantly at gmail.com. Thank you. Hi guys, welcome back to Life of Living Abundantly. It's me, Lola. Today we have a very special guest, Leslie Thompson. She is an old friend of mine who has very, very resiliently and boldly decided to tell us her story today. So I'm going to let her introduce herself, Leslie. Hi, guys. It's Leslie um, from Nashville. I'm here to share my story. Hopefully I am able to save someone else, uh, give them some insight on the signs of my story and help them. Um, just be brave enough to walk away, let go, let go. So um, Leslie is um, someone where, of course, in the podcast, we talk about, you know, personality disorders, typically someone who ha is, is narcissistic. And there are signs that women typically miss mm -hmm. in the dating phase and then definitely in the marital phase. Um, one thing that I try and teach are, yes, some of the signs and symptoms, but leaving women to feel um, also that you're never far past the point of no return. Like, you can always turn back. Mm -hmm. Like, we as women sometimes think we've invested too much, just too much time or money. And like I said before, well, sometimes you leave with the clothes off your back anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's the, the difference? Um, so tell me, I guess, um, a little bit about your story as far as how you met the person who we're going to talk about. Okay. Well, how I met him was, ooh, 2007 or 8, about 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was outside walking my dog at the time, named Pippi, um, and he pulled up in his black Mustang, and I, he was like, hey, what's your name? And I just kind of looked and I was like, hmm. You know, and things went on from there. At first I was like, how old are you? And he was like, oh, I'm 25. Because I was just turning 27. I was like, you said, I don't like them young. But I was mm -hmm. like, okay. So I gave him a chance. And that's how we met. Was that his real age? I no, it was not, not his real age. He definitely liked. Ding, as ding, he ding. would say, was... The best lie he ever told, but he was 22. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, how did, did y'all immediately, like, start dating? We did. Um, we dated. I was not really trying to be as serious as he wanted to be at the time, but things got serious, and we just 
started a relationship. And um, eventually I was, you know, stuck. How did you become stuck? You know, commitment, wanting to make things right. You know, you get in these situations, you're like, well, I'm going to make this right. Um, I'm not going to stray away from it. Did you guys begin living together really soon? He kind of would stay in my apartment all the time. <clears throat> and then, of course, months later, I was pregnant. Where was his residence? Did he have his own private residence or with somebody? He did not. He was living with his mom. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it was... And you were independent, independent. Graduated from college. Graduated from college. Um, had it all together. Had it all together. Sure did. You know, our little group... Like she, she's part of the clique too. Yeah. We are so rare, very. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's been almost thirty years. Mm -hmm. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, so twenty-eight years mm -hmm. since the day I met you. Like yes, yes. And like to this day, like all of us. So anyhow, I'm I'm just so proud of us. I am too. Yes, yes. Head on the back. Yes. yes. So anyhow, graduated, something our parents did right, or maybe just the community that we had. So mm -hmm. that going into friendships. Did mm -hmm. he have a support system? Did yes. he have friends around or family? Yes. He did? No, he didn't. I did, of you course. Did. And I think I was his only support system. Did he work? He works. He definitely works. He's a very hard worker. Mm -hmm. That's one credit I would give him. He's going to work. He's going to get promoted. He goes into work and he's always moved to a management mm -hmm. position. Um, that's one of his good traits is mm -hmm. that he will work. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the support system, he had a very small family here in Nashville. The rest of his family that he confided in was in Memphis, mm -hmm. um, where they're from, with Arlington, Tennessee. So, um, and that part of me that I realized over the years is always being there for somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, being that person that they lean on, like I'm a very loyal person. I call it my strength and my weakness mm -hmm. because I can be very loyal. When I commit to something, I commit to it wholeheartedly. But sometimes I commit to the wrong things or the wrong people and they can take advantage of it Yeah, because I'm so loyal. Yeah, And I click, we share a lot of the same flaws mm -hmm. as well as strengths. Yeah. yeah, we're very loyal to each other, but at the end of the day, mm -hmm. regardless of how long it's been, we're like always there. Mm -hmm. It's the same positive energy, and I, I do love that about us. Yeah, like, it doesn't matter how yeah. many years go by. Yeah, because like, we haven't seen each other in probably like two seconds mm -hmm. six, yep. years ago, six years ago when you saw when you had your baby, and it was an immediate embrace when we mm -hmm. saw each other, and then before then. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Like, even before I got married. Yeah. You know, so. So you get pregnant, and y'all, he's staying at your place a lot. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And then what happens from there? Um, my parents didn't really like him. Well, um, I don't really like <laughs> Hey, my mom is very judgmental mm -hmm. and she hardly likes anyone yeah and she could not stand him mm -hmm. um so that was the issue mm -hmm. and then when i had my son it was you know the day you have your child supposed to be the most exciting day of your life mm -hmm. 
Mine was not the same. <laughs> um, it was just chaos from the time that I was, I had a cesarean, so the time that I was rolled back into the room, the recovery room, I didn't even know what was going on. I just remember him filling out some paperwork, my mom sitting there, his mom and his brother. Brother is actually deceased now, which is strange. But his mom and brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, then him and my mom just kind of exchanged words, and I just, like that, I went out of it. I don't know, I can't even remember what happened. I just know the nurse was in my face, like, you okay, you okay? And I was like, where is everybody? So I put everybody out. So it was very chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, I went home to my parents. It's like going to my home because we just did not get along mm -hmm. at that time. And um, <clears throat> eventually we decided to try to work it out. So I went home. After how long? It was just a couple of weeks because okay. my son was in the NICU for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I went home with my parents and then I went home with him. And it just, you know. Was it immediate? Maybe three weeks when I went home. Okay. Yeah. But was it immediate that y'all weren't getting along? or uh, It was like a couple of days after my son was born because it was like a tug of war too between him and my parents. It was always this tug of war that I was always battling. And Any day that now, I guess we can give that advice that you feel that there's a struggle, you're choosing wrong or? Oh, <clears throat> definitely. But that part of me where I just want to work it out, feel sorry, feel sorry for someone and mm -hmm. I just stick with it mm -hmm. regardless. So it's me at the time, not choosing Leslie. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Yes, I was definitely choosing everybody else and mm -hmm. when you try to please everybody else except yourself it is very draining mm -hmm. um it got so bad that um because i was going back and forth to the hospital and he had a drinking problem so i was um at home and i had a cesarean he was knocked out um and i was leaking you know, like fluid was like coming out you know my body and i was like it's not right so i called one of my friends at the time and i was like something not right i'm leaking and she's like well i'll come take to the doctor because i could not wake him up i had no strength no energy at all mm -hmm. and um like i tried to push and i could not do it so i stepped in the bathroom and changed my clothes and so i stepped in the bathroom and changed my clothes like all this fluid just started running out me just like a lot of it i just really started crying called her back called the ambulance and like Told what's going on. I said, does the door need to be open? And it was like, well, yes. I was like, oh my God, my door's locked. So I took in the deepest breath and I just yelled really hard. I said, say his name. I said, open the door for the ambulance. And he jumped up and he was like, oh my God. And so I went in the hospital, was there for three days. They said I was the color of the walls. And the walls were like beige when I got there. Basically, it was from exhaustion, uh, leading to postpartum. Uh, and because I was doing so much that my incision had come apart. Uh, and, he, and he wasn't helping? No, he wasn't helping. He tried, but like I said, the drinking was bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. How was he when he would drink? Did, or did he just go to sleep? I don't know. Sometimes it would depend on his uh, mood, but mostly he was violent, so aggressive. In the very beginning he was? 
he was not as aggressive as he was when we got married. So in the dating process, no. Mm-hmm. Um, How yeah. long before, well, after you had your son, did you guys get married? Oh, years later. We've been off and on um, for years. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get married till 2019. Even prior to getting married, there were signs that I should not have done it. Can you tell us some of those signs? Oh, the drinking, the aggressiveness, the disagreements, the uh, physical, the verbal abuse. Do you remember, like, some of the verbal stuff he would say? Um, you know, he's just disrespectful. He got a, you know, B's, H's. Um, it was like a control. It's like he wanted to control everything that I did. He didn't like why I went to church. Um, that was the biggest issue. Did he go to church? He did not go to church at first. He wasn't going to church. And his whole thing was he was Church of Christ at the time, and he wanted me to be Church of Christ. And I was not converting because he just was not giving me the impression that he was someone I could follow the church at that time, you know, and change everything. And my church family, I mean, I love my church family. They have been there for me through everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the best. So... It wasn't time for me to walk away. What whatever I was going through, that was my safety net. That's why, you know, I prayed with it, prayed for me. That's why I go. And so I was very, very close with my pastor, the ministers at my church. And I think he was um intimidated and insecure about that as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that What about your relationships with your friends and your family? Was he intimidated by those? Yes. But would he try and keep you away from them? In what way? Um, to the point where you just don't want to go because you don't want to hear it. Yeah, you know you don't I'm speak about that. Yeah. You just don't want to hear it. You just, you just it's just not it. worth it. It's not yeah. So you know you make choose. And I was you know newly married, we're about to get married, and we got married. And I was just like okay, so I have to you know change my mindset. I'm a wife, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he's my best friend because I did marry him at first. He was my you know I felt safe. A lot of people ask, why did you marry him? I was like, well, I felt safe. Not safe physically, but I felt safe emotionally with my feelings. His feelings towards me and mine towards him was safe. It's strange. It doesn't make sense. And I think about it often. But at that time, I felt really safe with him. Well, A lot of times when you're in abusive relationships or you're just dealing with somebody who is insecure, they have a way of making you their whole world. And they also have a way of providing this, may not be in your situation, but in a lot of situations, a very false sense of security. Right. And I I say that, that, you know, I, I too felt very safe and very secure and it was you know, I'll fight a bear for you. And, you know, um, just that boldness and their ability to intimidate other people that were a threat to this family unit. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it was a defense mechanism for them out of their own fears, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I, I definitely can relate to that sense of security. And, 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 and it did. It feels like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Yes. And I did. You know, I confided in him, you mm-hmm. know, whether he was going to respond negatively or not. And so he's sober, totally good person. Mm-hmm. 
Did did the physical abuse start in the beginning of the relationship or? Uh, it started before we got married, so yes. Um, did you tell anybody or did people pick up on it? People picked up on it. We had an incident, excuse me, when I was, um, right after I had my son, where, uh, you know, he had choked me. And I told, you know, one of my friends, and she told my mom, and um, she came over, and my grandma, my brother, and my dad, and so I remember vividly, he came back, we got some precious hot chicken, and he was walking in, and everybody was at the house, and um, they was asking him about, you know, did you put your hands on? Of course, you know, we was like, no. But you know, you always lie. You protect them. Yeah, you protect, mm -hmm. you say no, when you know it happened. Um, so the police actually didn't believe me anyway, which they never do. Mm -hmm. And they believed that he did, so he got arrested. But prior to that, him, my dad, and my brother got into a physical complication. And, um, yeah. I remember holding my son and pulling one. You know, I had him here, I'm pulling this person, pulling that person, and my mom was out there. And, and it was a brawl, it was a mess. So that was the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you, like, move up until we were ready to get married, my parents had put all that stuff in the past. You know, they had forgave him. Um, How old were you when you got married? Um, 36. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't just see me count on my fingers. I told you I count my fingers. Yeah, 36 going on mm -hmm. 37, I do believe. Oh, yeah. So... They even tried to be there mm -hmm. during the, before we got married, after him and my dad was really close. You know, mm -hmm. he was trying to talk him through, coach him through. Uh, they didn't want to see y'all fail. Yeah. They wanted to see y'all through. But eventually they got tired. You Your know, parents. They got tired of putting his hands on me um, and me going through all of that. Do you, like looking back at your younger self, do you see that they got tired of going through the cycle with you and you going back to him? Yes. Uh, well, we did separate and then when we decided to get, you know, married. That's when the cycle kind of restarted, but it wasn't the same, you know, like I said, everybody was getting along. But that demon there was guys inside of him. When you went, when you got, how long were you guys separated? Um, about 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Where there was no contact. I mean, he would see your son. Yeah. Did he have a way in the 10 years of still drawing you back in? No, because he was gone from time he was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. You know, it was ridiculous. So usually dealing with alcohol, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so... The first time, like, y'all were together and even that 10-year split, by that point, what was the most traumatic point in your relationship or just in life? With him? Mm -hmm. Probably the, to me, I don't know, it was just so much. It was so often, the spitting, mm -hmm. like. In your face? Yeah, to me, the spitting is the worst. Mm -hmm. um, 
I want to say the most traumatic had to be, I don't know, it's been so many. Probably when he tried to fight everybody at my church. That was traumatic and embarrassing. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't go to church for like a month and a half because mm -hmm. of that. Uh, because he was under the impression that everybody at the church, all the men, was trying to talk to me. Yeah. It was like he literally was trying to fight one of the ministers because he said he was looking at me. Mm -hmm. Like, like the dumbest thing ever. So you had the control, <laughs> you had the abuse, the verbal, the physical, and then the jealousy. So there would clearly be a rage. Yes. If you're trying to fight people at church. Yes. Literally trying to like when I say was trying to fight, he was really trying to fight. That like was holding him back. Does your family go to this church too? No, we were all there because it was the day that our youngest got christened, mm -hmm. and it was her birthday. And we were supposed to have her Christmas slash birthday party. We set up in the back, and several of my friends had took the kids to go eat while we were set up, and I didn't know what was going on until they came and got me, and mm -hmm. that's when I found out that. Things had escalated between him and my pastor and minister. Mm -hmm. How do you, how'd y'all come back from that? I see, it was in October. Uh, just the usual, just stay in it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I celebrated our daughter's birthday like a week or two later uh, without him mm -hmm. and just a uh, few friends and family. And I just kind of stayed away from, um, he was always apologetic, of course. Mm -hmm. He was always, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again, typical. But then mm -hmm. does it again. Because um, between October and December, I'm sure there was many phone calls. Even when it came to the church, actually, the day that they called with him trying to fight at the church, the officers walked up and said, oh, you got your window fixed. <laughs> so, you know, it was very common for them to come and so I was like yeah I got the window fixed what he had taken a chair and you know broken the window and beat the car mm -hmm. just the other day I was talking with uh, my friend my work bestie Danette uh -huh. and you know just sometimes we have our own little powwow and um, the other day um I looked at her and I said, you know, cause she, she, it, it's, it's laughing, but it's very emotional. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I looked at her and I had shared something that I used to go through, like when people would come over and it's just kind of like everybody would get so uncomfortable and they would leave. Mm -hmm. And I said something that I want to ask you because I asked myself something and I said, what was so wrong with me that I put up with that man? Oh, I have the answers <clears throat> now, uh, but at the time, like, what was so wrong? And I mean this in the loving, the most loving way. What was so wrong or broken in you that made you keep putting up with this? So that goes back to what I was like, that loyalty and me trying to make things right. Like, I was like, we keep having these kids. You know, I'm trying to live for it. You know, I'm not trying to be out here just being a lifelong baby mama, mm -hmm. you know. And that was his way of getting me to marry him, too, because he knew once I kept having those kids, I wasn't going to keep having kids. Because married. it goes against how you were raised. Yes. 
I feel like there is just such this, um, where how we were taught, <laughs> a friend of ours says we drunk the Kool-Aid <laughs> and we were taught this loyalty to our own detriment. Yeah. And so like it takes these traumatic incidents for us to kind of erase a lot of what we were taught because what, what our parents forget to understand is that we have to continue going with the trends in our generation mm -hmm. and we can't keep doing what worked for them. Right. Because yeah. they stayed, but they also knew how to sew each other up. They did. They did. <laughs> it's like you know when I went to the courts I was like I mean, I've seen my mom and my dad have disagreements you know same here like that, but the level and to have my kids with my son he's the oldest so of course he knows everything he's always too much and um, just me trying to pray you know, they say for better or for worse. So mm -hmm. dig it there. I was like, yo, this is worse. And apparently it got to the worst. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, it it got worse and worse each time. So there was a 10-year split. Um, I'm sure you well, that's, uh, yeah. We didn't get like serious, serious until like 2017. 16. Okay. 2016. Okay. And then you go back, and then things get worse. They got worse. They got better because mm -hmm. we had agreement mm -hmm. on the drinking. Ever any counseling? Now, we went to counseling before we got married, twice. Mm -hmm. uh, we went to my pastor. We also went to, uh, I think it was called Risk Medicine Area, but the life for the EAP. Mm -hmm. We did counseling for there, but it wasn't effective. How long did you go? Y'all go? We did the premarital counseling. We did about what, four or five sessions, and then we did like uh, I think three sessions mm -hmm. with the other lady, maybe four. And uh, and the recommendation, like I'm only one professional, so always six to eight sessions, and that's that's actually when you crack open. Yeah, and like, we need way more six to eight. We even try it even afterwards. It just It didn't work because that demon that resides in him, there's it's no getting through. Let's talk about that demon. Because, you know, I, I, I talk about on the podcast where I would pray and I would pray and I would pray and I would pray and I would pray. And, would pray. and it's just kind of like, like, I know I'm doing everything right. And I'm, you know, living on being a good mom and, you know. I would get olive oil. I'm telling you, every pillow <laughs> like I'm not playing. Yes. Like every entryway. Yes. And I initially grew up Catholic, so mm -hmm. like I'm like, which aunt can I call and ask for holy mm -hmm. water? And they not think like, <laughs> what's going on over yeah. here? You know, like it. It how, how are you responsible for a de a demon that doesn't even dwell in you? You know, and then. I, and I wasn't, and I saw it. When I tell you, I tell people, I haven't talked about it in a long time though, but uh, like, you know, you see images of demons and stuff like that, but you never know what it looks like. I know what it looks like. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. I'll tell you one night. Oh, you just gave me chill bumps. He was, he was standing mm -hmm. over me mm -hmm. and he was in like 
voice was different. The face, the image was just like what you would see on a picture or a movie. Mm-hmm. It was like a real life demon. And in that moment, I just closed my eyes and say, call on Jesus. And mm-hmm. I just closed my eyes and I just called on Jesus over and over and prayed and prayed in the name of Jesus. And then it's like I was in a trance and then I came out and then it was him. And I tell people like, it is real. It I is actually saw. Just like people say they've seen angels and they, I have seen that too. But I'm telling you, like, I, I've seen two demons in my life and one has nothing related to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a story that I only share, you know, like with people who know like that stuff exists. Mm-hmm. But then the other demon, like, why won't you just go away? You know, and it is the scariest bone clenching theory it was the most terrifying moment mm-hmm. so you go through this gap in time where y'all aren't together did you still crave him were you still in this cycle or were you like this is done sometimes it was a crave or just mm-hmm. Because you're addicted yeah. to chaos at this point. Yes. And, you know, just comfortable. Mm-hmm. I call it dysfunction. It like, is. How you going to be comfortable in dysfunction? Because you can. You, you know. <laughs> and people are. You know, <laughs> but I was comfortable with him, you know. Mm-hmm. He knew me. The good, the bad, the ugly. Did know? he use that against you, though? Uh, I don't think he would have used it against me. I just think that because he knew I was comfortable with him. And sometimes, well, y'all would say he was against me. Mm-hmm. He knew what to say. He knew how to respond. And he would be on my side when I need him to be on my side, you know. And he knew that if he was on my side, that that would draw me in. So mm-hmm. um, It was you and him against the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you guys get back together, 2016, 17. How long before he says, let's get married? Oh, see, he kept asking, right? Uh, and I kept saying, no. You know, marriage is serious as a commitment, you know? I'm not getting married just be being married. You know, I take it very serious. I'm not getting married to divorce. <clears throat> you know, um, it was just always no. But, oh, it might be TMI, but <laughs> I get so, There's you know, no TMI with me. <laughs> okay, no TMI. So, you know, you... You have those plan B's that's on the market, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, he was supposed to go buy one, and um, he didn't go buy it. He refused to mm-hmm. go buy the plan B, knowing that it was a possibility that I'd be end up pregnant, and so I went and bought it. But he gave it to me, but when I talked to his mom, she was like, you sure he gave you a plan B or an aspirin? You know, and I was like, I didn't think about that, <laughs> you know? Because... <laughs> I ended up pregnant, you know. Jesus. I, and so, yeah. His like, mom said that. His mom. She one, one advice my sister always told me was like, I'm going to call his mama and I'm going to tell her. <laughs> my sister said, his, his mama knows exactly who he is. Yep. Yeah. That's what you just said, basically. Yeah, because she was who told me because I ended up saying, you sure he gave you the plan B or aspirin? And I was like, you know what? He's the one who went downstairs to open it, brought it upstairs with something to drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 
So I'm laughing at you. I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> we are through it on the other side. Yeah, and so I ended up pregnant. And she, when she said that, I was like, you know what? He probably did. If you think about it, I was like, he literally was downstairs with it. It came upstairs with it already out the package. And was it head, white? It was white, you know. What color the plan B pill? White. I think oh. it's the same color. So, therefore, you know, I took it. <laughs> After my relationship, I read every pill label. They all have a number on them. I need I needed to because, what you know. Except for those Dollar Tree aspirins. They don't have anything on them. <laughs> Not Dollar Tree. It was Dollar Store. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that Pass. So, that's why I was like, well, yes. I'll marry you? Yeah. At that point, we have all these kids now. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not gonna keep living in sin, is what I call it. You know, mm -hmm. living in sin, and I'm just. Did you sometimes think like everything that you were receiving was because of the sin you were living in? Yep. Mm -hmm. Now you know today, like God does not punish us that way. He, he does is not, not that unkind. He is not. But at the time, I was like, well, I gotta make my sins right. I'm gonna make my sins right, and so. Did you ever think, how does he correct his wrongs or like make it, it seems like a lot of focus was on everything you were doing wrong. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. He doesn't because it's always somebody else's fault to why he responds the way he does or acts the way he does. And then when I would fight back, like I fought back one time so hard. Like, I had a plan. It's not the best way to live, but I had a plan because I got so tired of always ending up on the floor mm -hmm. being attacked. Like, and I said, you know what? And I'm defenseless, so he's stronger. And I mean, I'm a fighter, but when you're dealing with man strength and I call it crazy people strength on top of that, you can't fight crazy. You can't. There's nothing you can do with that at all. And then, even if you try to use a weapon, You're afraid because they might turn around and use it on you. So uh, I went and got my steel toe Timberland boots and I would keep them on the side of my bed because I said the next time I get on that floor, I'm just going to start kicking them, you know? And it worked in my favor. One night, I had two church services. We had to go. Uh, Sing and I'm in a choir, so I was singing in one church, and then they had a program. I think it was a Christmas program in another church. And he had wanted me to cook, and he left money for me to go buy groceries. And you know, I was like, "Well, I'll be home late because I got another, you know, service." And would he watch the kids while you went? No, that was with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so he had went. So at the time, he started going to another <laughs> church. You know, the church that he ended up joining and become a deacon of. But yeah. So he was there and then he would text him and he was mad. I didn't know his mom had a stroke at the time until afterwards. Mm -hmm. But he said, somebody's mom ain't have a stroke. This was later on. When I get home, he wasn't there. Then he comes in. And he uh he snatches the blanket off the bed. And he was like, uh, you gave my money to that pimp at that church. And I was like, what are you talking about? The money was still on the nightstand because I didn't use it. You know, I left it there. And they went downstairs. And I knew it was going to be one of those nights. So you I was trying to go. Coming. My thing was, 
I'm going to change my clothes, head on my nightgown. But I put the boots on first. <laughs> I put those boots on first because I never did make it to get my clothes changed because he came back up the stairs. And, you know, it was pop. You gave that money to that pimp at the church, and then it was a total. And then what I do, it go where? On the floor. floor. You know, and um, it was like the gate, you know, that you used. So go out the stairs for the babies and he kind of like, you just took his head on me. And so then um, I moved that and then every time he came close to me, I would kick him. You know, I do bicycles. I just start bicycling and kicking mm-hmm. him every single time. And that way I was able to get him off of me. You know, he couldn't really get to me, but um, so I was able to like grab his crotch or whatever and I wouldn't let go. Mm-hmm. Like I just squeezed and I squeezed and he was like, let me go. I said, let me go. You know, I was like, let me go. So in that moment, I was able to not get attacked so bad, not get choked, not get, not you know, not as brutal as the other time it'd be sometimes. And so um, he finally let go. He went downstairs. And I think I had told my son, because my son had seen, I remember seeing the face, I said, Ethan, you're going to have to go call, you know, 911, you're going to have to go call somebody. And then, um, when I got up and he went downstairs, I didn't know where he was, my son. So I went and barricaded myself in the girls' room. How old was I, your son at this point? Um, ten. Okay. So I went and uh, barricaded myself in the girls' room, put the change table behind the door, and uh, I was able to hold him off the first time. But that second time he came back, he had a, like he made his way through. And it was just like, bam. Was like, this the worst fight? Oh, okay. This was the one that before the worst. The worst. Okay. Because this is the one where you actually showed you had a little bit of strength. This one, this one right here? Yes. So you can understand why women that I've worked with for years say, I don't fight back. You, you know why you don't fight back. Mm-hmm. You can't. But if no, I'm, no. You don't want to show them that you have the ability well, to fight yeah. back. Because they're coming back stronger. They come back stronger because he came back through that door <clears throat> that second time. And I think he smacked me like that third time. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. Like I had to just basically yield. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. You know, sorry, you know, because I was like. You were always apologizing. I had to apologize because my baby's there and she's crying. They both in a uh, in a playpen, and it was you know it hurt you know it hurt so bad. So then the police come. I was late. Police come, so and on, and um, they took him to jail that time. Oh, because I'm sure it was clear that there was a tussle and you had physical marks. This time I had physical marks. So mm-hmm. all the other times there was no physical marks, but this time. I had physical marks. I had to stay work for a week. Usually I go to work, go to church. Covered up. Covered up. You know, long sleeves and, and high outside. I got all long sleeve sweaters and stuff like that. Everybody's looking at you. Did other people know when you look back at it? Or did you hide it that well? I hid it that well. Because even when my truck was destroyed, I said, oh, I ran into, uh, I said I side swiped or something. I forgot what I How said. How was your truck destroyed? Well, he took the chair and he... Oh. 
did the window and beat the side like after he repaired the window. You know, he had paid for it, fixed but the side. You know, I was like, a car backed into me, I made up some lie. Yeah. Oh my God. So the police took him to jail that night. How did he come back home? He didn't come back home. I didn't let him come back until New Year's. And this happened when? <coughs> um, December. Okay. What let you what made you let him come back home? Um, Where did he go? He was with his parents. Um, we went to we went to church New Year's Eve. I went with him, and I decided, you know, still, of course he said he won't do it again. He changed, so it's over. But I didn't come back home, and um, I didn't go to court. February fourteenth. You when, did not go to court. I did not go to court because you know we had reconciled and. We planned a whole little way for Valentine's Day. You know, and, um, how long after that court date did it start right back up? Oh, so February 14th, we went, we had a weekend. Well, we had a night for Valentine's Day. Then Saturday, um, went to my son's basketball game. Then I had choir practice because I was singing the next day. Um, he didn't go to work, and I asked him to watch the kids. And he said no, because I guess he had an attitude because I was going to church. Well, one of them was really sick. I think it was the youngest one was really, really sick, and she was really, really hot. And so when I leave practice, I called, he was there. I go to the house, he was there. So I ended up taking him to the clinic or whatnot. He had a whole attitude, so we did not even, like, talk that day. Sunday morning comes, he would go to work at the Goodwill Sunday morning. That was one of his, he had like three jobs that he was working at. And he would go there before he go to church. And he was going to his church, and I was going to mine. And um, we got up, we got, you know, got dressed. He was like, you look nice. I said, thank you, you look nice. He went his way, I went mine. Um, later on that day, we had a, a situation, we got into it. Um, and I said I was leaving, like I would typically do, leave at my parents' house or just drive around just to get away. <clears throat> I left the diaper bag. I sent my son back in with the diaper bag, and he came out crying. And I was like, what's wrong with you? He was like, he was afraid of his dad or something like that. So I was like in the driveway across the street, <clears throat> and he came towards the car. And I said, I put the car in like drive or whatever, that he was on the car. Then my mom had pulled up, and then that's when he left. Um, about 45 minutes to an hour later, he comes back. To the house. Comes back to the house. And um, so when I see the door turn, I went to the door. I turned it back. I turned the lock back. He turned it. I turned it back. Mom said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, what are you doing? I was like, if I keep doing this, he'll leave. He can't get in. His key might work, you know, something like that. Because it can happen before. That's why I learned if I keep turning, he can't get in. So I kept doing it, kept doing it. She said, girl, stop that. And I was like, no, mama. If I keep doing it, he'll go away. She was like, girl, just stop that. So I kept doing it, then I stopped. And he came in. And it was just the usual back and forth, back and, and forth. And your mom. Back and forth. You know, he was talking about the church and 
work out of it, you know, stuff like that. And I was just sitting on the couch, you know, with the kids, they're playing. And they just, you know, it's not really, really aggressive, but they were just going back and forth. And so um, he said something about his cousin knowing about my mama. And my mama was like, your cousin don't know about me. So she jumps up. He jumps up. They're like face to face. And then they're talking. And then um, my mom walked outside. So I don't know that this is what kind of got a little fuzzy, but I pick up my youngest and I walk out the back door and around to my truck and I give him, give her to my son. And then as I am outside, he went back in, my mom went back in, I guess. Then I was outside by her truck. And then he comes outside on the porch. They was into it. And I won't talk about that part, but they was into it. I was on the other side of her truck, really trying to call my dad for help and support. Cause I was like, it was just escalating. Like, it was escalating. I was starting to get a little worried, like something bad about to happen. But my mom's truck was locked. My cell phone was in the house on the charger, on the speaker. I could see her phone on doors locked. He came outside. He had just dropped some stuff. I was on the other side of truck. He was on my porch. And so I just told him to run. And I ran. And I was running. And I had on Ugg boots. I tell everybody, you cannot run in Ugg boots. You're not going to get anywhere. Right. Like, it was like I was running, <clears throat> but I wasn't moving. And then I was like, where am I going? So I kind of slowed down. And then I remember my hair or something being pulled, but I fell. And he turned me over. And that's the last thing I remember. I woke up basically in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, in between that and the hospital, I remember being in the back of my mom's truck. And um, I couldn't really see that well, but I remember when the EMT man, he was caramel colored, had a hammer's head, and it was a lady. And I'm like, saying, she's going to be okay, she's going to be okay. And he was like, yeah, she's going to be fine, she's going to be fine. Who said she's going to be fine? This was the uh, paramedic okay. people. Okay. And um, she was like, where are y'all taking her to? And they said, uh, Skyline. And I remember my mom saying, Skyline, like that. And they was like, yeah, they got a whole trauma unit. So I, I can't see anything anymore, but I can feel the, you know, them lifted me, they put me on the ambulance, and I heard them say, uh, change the plans, we want to Vanderbilt. I could hear the sirens, and then I woke up and I was chained to a hospital bed. You were chained? Tell us why you were chained. Like handcuffed? I was, yeah. I assume that they do that so that you won't pull out the tubing. Okay. The tubing. Okay. Um, so. You had handed your son to your mother. So I had handed my youngest to my son inside of my car. So your 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 two were all of them was in the car at that time. I don't even know how the other two even got in the car. So they car. saw whatever happened. My son saw everything. Okay. Who or how was it communicated to you? what happened when you woke up? Or did you feel? Cause now I know about the glasses. Like now that I were talking, like 
who communicated to you like what ex this was the worst of the worst that was the day February 16th <clears throat> um, two days after Valentine's you had just let him come back yep he went back for like a little bit over a month um it was so many stories um I don't know what happened. I don't know. Uh, my mom has her story. My son has his story. And he has his story. Mm -hmm. uh, I have no memory at all. Before you tell us like exactly what happened, I guess, tell us what was the end result. Okay. The end result was um, he had broken my eye socket, uh, fractured my nose, so it had to be replaced. Your um, eye socket? So yeah, it's a titanium plate there now. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to put my nose back together. Uh, I have no nerves on the left side of my mouth or face, so I lost nerve damage. So I had to teach myself how to talk again. And you were in the hospital for how long? I was there for a week and they had to send me home because um, they had to order the plate to go on my face. And then um, I had to go back and have the surgery. So you had how many surgeries? I've had a total of four. To basically reconstruct the left side of your face? Yep. So, uh, it's an insecurity that I have. I shower from cameras, that's why I keep my hair over my skin. I went to therapy, of course, and you know, she said, I want to keep your hair over there. So I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, One of the boldest things that, of course, clearly, I put myself out here, never was mine physical to that extent. Um, is that like I'm teaching people that the very thing that keeps us silent, we keep hidden and we keep hiding them. And by not exposing that scar, you are still giving him your power. Right. <clears throat> and that power is very well your superpower. Yeah. Because you're here today. And I'm sure if you had to go through that extreme of a blow or a few blows. Oh yeah. It would probably be odds that you're not supposed to be here. Yeah, usually when I go to the uh, hospital, uh, you know, they always ask, because I go to Vanderbilt, that's where I was. Mm -hmm. And they always ask, was you in a car accident? You know, because of the trauma to my you know, face. And I was like, no, then I have to share, you know, um, you know, the experience, and I was, I, I to this day, have not seen what I look like. I just don't want to see the pictures. You know, I see myself afterwards, a week later, but I've never seen those pictures. I have no memory of what happened. Like, I have no memory of pain. And I look at that as, like, 
God was really covering me. Like he sent angels to protect me in that moment because I have literally no memory of pain ever uh, from that. And that's why I say God didn't put you through all of that for you not to be doing something with it. Yes, when I tell you like what I think back, I was like really strong in my connection with you know the people who were strong in their faith was around me. Like all those prayers, like that was what was covering me at that time because I mean it could have been worse and it was bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, whose story or whose recollection of what happened do you want to share? Your sons, your mom. Um, so my son, actually, we were just talking about it, I got some more ago, because I was getting, uh, you know, the stories, you know, how everybody found out, you know, I had a huge support system, when I say huge, it was huge, mm -hmm. um, you know, like what they heard. <clears throat> Of course, the public humiliation was enough because, like I said, it was all over the media. You know, man beats husband beats wife over church clothes. You know, it was, it was, it was everywhere. You know, people was reaching out to you know friends and family. You know, asking I was dead in Atlanta, according to their news. You know, people thought I was dead. And, um, but my son just said that you know. He saw him, you know, hitting me. And he is the one who carried me to my mom's car and put me in the back. Your son. And then he got his clothes and drove him there. He got his car and drove off from there. So your husband went back in the house, got his clothes, got in his car, and left you, basically, I guess, in the street. He had carried me, so I when I ran, I like ran up the street. Mm -hmm. So it was in front of somebody else's house. And so from that area, he carried me to my wife's truck mm -hmm. and helped her. Like, as my son said, they, like, I got in the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. um, so you were conscious. Apparently, you just don't remember. I remember. Mm -hmm. You know, um, did neighbors see or? The only thing, so it was a neighbor that testified. She didn't see anything. She heard something. And she said she called the police. And they told her, don't go outside. Because you never know. Mm -hmm. You know, if he has a weapon or anything. So she didn't actually see anything. Um, like I said, this was me. My son, my mom, and him. What opportunity did he have afterwards to tell you his side of the story? Uh, eventually he called um, from, from jail. Mm -hmm. um, and I had questions myself because everything I was reading and hearing wasn't making sense. You know, so then it sparked what happened? You know, um, church clothes. We wasn't arguing about church clothes. You know, like where did they come from? And then um, because my cousins came to the hospital, like where did 
dressed it. Like, what did you have on? I said, we wasn't arguing about anything. We really wasn't arguing. We was really arguing with my mom at the time. But so I just didn't know. They say I got pushed down the stairs. I was drugged. You know, all these different things was, you know, in the media. And so he was talking about that. And me just really trying to figure out what happened. And I think it made me stay connected to him when I should not have been still connected to him. You know, um, trying to figure out what happened to me. Trying to find out the truth. I know something happened, of course, because I was in the hospital, but then I was also in, like, denial. Like, mm -hmm. did this really happen, you know? You couldn't connect. I just couldn't. Yeah. At all. And it was just, it was a lie. And, you know, he was talking to my son, and my son was crying. And uh, he was apologizing, you know, stuff like this. So it was the first initial contact. And that was, like, you know, like maybe a month or two after this. Mm -hmm. um, it happened. And because, you know, he was not supposed to contact me at all, you know, so. What story do you believe happened to you? I believe my son. Well, he has no reason to lie. But the truth that you tell yourself after you've collected all the information, like, what happened to you? Oh, all that built-up resentment and hatred that he had towards me, he released it. Because, as I told him, it is no way that you could hit somebody that hard mm -hmm. where you break something in my face, mm -hmm. where I become unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. They say I look like Ibit Till. Mm -hmm. They say that's how I look. I was that unrecognizable. That that deep-rooted resentment and hatred and envy that you had towards me is the only way you could attack me that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and... So was it his hand that you believed? Oh uh, yeah, it was his hand. Like he literally, because they they had pictures. I did see those of like his knuckles and the blood, you know. Um, and you know he he'll tell me I saved you. From that's what he'll tell me. I'm the reason why you here. I'm the reason why you are alive. Wait a minute. Because <laughs> I can't. I can't get past other than thinking the first reason why he would ever say, the only reason he would ever say anything like that. Remember that demon we talked about? I don't understand how a demon can still have a God complex. That's what he meant. <laughs> he said, uh, he saved me because I was choking on my blood. That he got the blood out. And that's the reason why I was alive. Thank you. We are so glad that you're still here. And alive to tell your story. But again, it's more important. The narrative. And the truth of how you see it for yourself. But there is some sort of like God complex in. I saved you. Like the cause and cure. He has the audacity to say it. All the time. Is that what it took for you? To say this is it? <clears throat> oh, no. Some hard truths. No. It mm -hmm. was uh, me still trying to 
So he's out. You know, he just out on bond. Um, Who bonded him? His mom. But she it was his money. And so uh, that he got like through stimulus and stuff because he had worked taxes and stuff like that. And um, I was there. He had his own place. So I was kids would go visit. And we did something. I was still trying to co-parent and make it work out. Yo, think it's gonna work. It didn't. So we had a situation. And in that moment, three years ago, two years ago, I was completely dead. What? How long did it take to get to that situation? It took about uh, six, seven months of him being out. So he was on his best behavior, or was it kind of just slowly brewing up? He was on his best behavior because at first he had like an ankle monitor and you know, things like that. And then he was going to church. He was being very improved. Now, when I was actually able to be around him, which was a year after that, that was my past, was because he had an ankle monitor and a mobile breathalyzer. So it had been a couple of days where. Was he drunk or drinking when he. When he did that? Mm -hmm. Was it trial? He said no. Okay. But it's not possible mm -hmm. because he's always drinking. Okay. When he's like okay. that, he's always okay. under the influence. And when I spoke with his sister uh, at the funeral two weeks ago, she was like, I saw him that day. You know, and he was already under the influence. Mm -hmm. You know, he was already over there. She's like, it was no reason for him to even go back to the house. He should have just stayed there. And I said, I know he was under the influence, but they never, I guess they did drug test him, I don't know. But, um, mm -hmm. So what was the incident that you were like, okay, I'm done? Oh, uh, that's when he was basically mm -hmm. like, he drew me in front of the kids. And my kids had walked like, so my son in his face, he was like, I saw the hurt in his face. And he was like, mama, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And um, at that moment too, that's when all of the rage that was inside of me at that time from everything that happened, it just kind of, I just kind of let it out. Like I was just tired. You know, I was always being apologetic. I was always trying to be, you know, peaceful, not respond, not say anything. And I was just over it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't like her to go to the car. I get to the car. My kids are not there. I was like, where are the kids? You know? And he's like, what you mean? So at that moment, whatever we had going on was over. You know, we was... Now we got, you know, he's looking, I'm knocking on doors. He's knocking on doors. Kids ago. Mm. Don't know where they are. And they're how old at this point? Uh, 11. Okay. And um, three or four, mm -hmm. maybe. So, uh, so at this point, I, I just, I just like, I'm hysterical. I'm crying. I, I call one of my friends. But like my kids go all over they are, you know, I'm thinking about him with trafficking. Like I'm just because y'all were fighting and the kids just disappeared. My son had just disappeared. Yep. Did you prompt him to do that? Or was that his normal trauma <clears throat> response? Well, I had prompted him in the past because he I okay. told him 
I guess if they get serious, you know, protect your sisters, mm-hmm. you know, get somewhere safe. And so what happened was he had walked. This way he was he was living on East Palestine. He walked up the Gantz Road. And they was walking out Gantz Road and um he came back and he was like, they got in a car with somebody and they drove off. And I was just like, oh my God. You know, police finally comes and um they finally tell me they found my kids. Then my son had directed them how to get to my parents' home. Said a lady see two kids walking on that dangerous road in the rain. She pulled up and was like, what these kids doing walking on this road in this rain like that? And uh, so then my son seeing his dad coming and he looked and he like he didn't want to go. And so they didn't know what happened to so they heard put him in the car and they drove off. Mm-hmm. You know, because it hit when he started chasing the car with him. Because my son looked like he didn't, you know, he was afraid and he didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was done. So you left for your kids? I left for my kids and I left for myself. Because after all that I had been through, after all of me forgiving and trying to see the positive and good in it, you still, you still couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. I was and I was I was done. And my I had my mind was just done. You know, he tried to do marital counseling through his past through that it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, um so did the police come when he was dragging you or just for the kids? So nobody really knew about that. No, they knew about I mean, they knew something happened. We had to go back to court. Because it was like a violation of his condition of his bond or whatnot. And um, is that what got him back? No. He went to trial and he got convicted of attempted murder in the second degree and aggravated assault. When and you heard attempted murder, like you were at the trial? I was at the trial. Were you still distant from who were they talking about? At the time, we had uh, we had was able to be cordial. It was closer than we were because, like I said, they had showed them up. You know, had the more I could communicate. I could go around him. You know, when his mom passed and take the kids over. I was able to be around because he was always sober. So he was never aggressive. He was never disrespectful. And he couldn't go anywhere. So I didn't have to worry about showing up at my house and being in my house and, you know, um, all those things that he would do. Um, you know, so I, I had a, there was peace there. I had comfort in knowing that I wasn't going to be hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, then when he went to trial, of course, I felt like it was kind of a little, they should have, they sobered him up, then threw him in there. You know, kind of put him on medication. He was on medicine and things like that to keep him calm. And then they, like, um, increased it when his mom passed because he would take care of his mom. I don't like what he did. And my mom can't say what even today she would tell you what he did for his mom. Before she died, you really can't take that away from him. That's the good side of him that you hardly ever see. But he has to be a sober mind to even see that part of him. If he's not sober, he's not battling those demons, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see it. It's not for me to give him the glory of anything because he doesn't deserve it. 
But I will respect that of him to say he did take care of his mom up until she passed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the reason why I was closer at that moment. But to hear attempted murder in a second degree when he was being charged and tried for attempted murder in the first degree, which is uh, premeditated. You know, and so he got the second and they gave him 12 years. They went back uh, in uh, August of 2022 and he was sentenced to 12 years at 35%. Do you have any fears? I do. I'd be lying if I say I don't. I used to lie and say that I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't fear him as much as I should have, maybe. Um, I fear but I don't really have any peace. You know, um, it's like he won't let go and then I fear like if he lets go it's gonna come back you know to haunt me or if I move on in life that he's not gonna be able to handle it then I feel like he'll kill me kill himself and it's just like like, and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It's the oddest to like, you see so much, and I, I rebuke it like I pray about it, you know. But in all honesty, you know, because I just sometimes I feel, you know, um, yeah, yeah. If you could go back and speak to your younger self, more so your purpose in being here today is to help somebody. What would you say to these young women like watching? Walk away. Like, choose you. Always choose you. Mm-hmm. You know, pray, have a relationship with God because <clears throat> your faith really will see you through it. You know, um, your support system, but my younger self would say, walk away, choose you. Mm-hmm. You know, at the first sight of it, because it's not going to change. When it's one time and never again, it ain't going to be one time. Sure. But when it's that on top of the verbal abuse, to like calling you out your name, B's and H's and sluts, and like all those things come out the spinning, like the control, the All jealousy, it, the, the anger, the envy, like walk away. Mm-hmm. That aggression, it's only going to escalate. It's only going to get worse. And you cannot save them. They got to want to save themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a reconciling between them and God. Yes. Um, I tell myself, I was always trying to save him. Yes. I was always a savior. I was always just, you know, trying to save him from himself, from society, you know, from everything, you know, and um, that I felt like I would be abandoning him if I didn't support him. But, you know, it ended up backfiring on me. Because now I have a constant 
reminded of what happened. You know, I'll never be normal. I've battled with that for a long time. Is that I will never be normal. Like to lose that your nerves, you know, like on that side. Yes. So when you taste, when you eat, when you touch, it's like different. It's how I have not been the same since the beginning of February 16, 2020. I have not been myself since then. Physically. That Leslie. The emotional, the psychological, like how you dealt with that. I eventually started going to counseling. Um, and I just, you know, I just prayed more. Got strong in my faith. Uh, motivation. Support. Mm -hmm. I had a strong support system. Um, until I didn't. You know, um, friends don't always understand. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of got into it, you know, about my choices sometimes. Um, a friend? Well, you know, just if I communicated with them or if I went around, you know. And I know they was looking out for, you know, my best interest. But I want to say, honestly, I feel like when someone that you love goes through something like that, everybody needs the support. Everybody needs the counseling. Because the way it impacted my family and friends so bad. Yeah. I mean, and I we look back and we laugh now. We laugh at our car. You know, they tell me how they got the phone call. You know, how they were in the hospital. Um, and you know how they say when you lose one sense, the other was a height. I couldn't see anybody. But I could feel everybody's emotion, emotion in that room. Mm -hmm. Like it was so strong. Yeah. Like it was strong. You could hear the you could hear the hurt. You could feel the hurt. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't see them, but I could feel it. Like even they was across the room, I could feel it. You know, just Yeah. I think everybody needs to heal from it, not just me. Mm -hmm. Because it impacted so many different people. And I hurt, you know, for them. You know, I hurt for my parents. I hurt for my dad. Because he was in my room every day. And I would wake up and my dad would just be rubbing my face, you know. Mm -hmm. It hurt him so bad. Mm -hmm. And my aunt stayed with me at the hospital every day that I was there. Yeah. My church came to see me and pray with me when I got home. Mm -hmm. My pastor was there every day. <clears throat> he was one of the first people names I called for. After I said, tell my mom to call my job so I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Call my pastor and call me the bills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and I don't know how I said that with two in my throat. Maybe I just wrote it down. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I just, um, I remember I had to start writing things now because I had that in my throat, you know, and I was just like, oh, we're not going to take this out. I was like, yeah. And I was a horrible patient at that point because mm -hmm. I hate it. I hate being in front of my back. Yeah. And then I got this thing on my throat and I can't talk and I'm just, you know, confined. And, you know, I was just like, what is, I had no idea what was going on. You know, mm -hmm. I just thought I was there. And, uh, yeah, 
So I tried to pull it out, you know. Of course. I did get it out and they put it back. Because mm-hmm. uh, I ended up vomiting up a lot of blood. And that's why, because all of this drained. Drained. And it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, apparently, I was in like a coma. I don't know how for how long, but mm-hmm. support. Very, very, very important. Very important. Support and protection, I think, is one of the things that I have learned doing this and making sure that other person knows that there are other people around, you know, that have been through it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we read things, we just read it and we kind of brush it off. Mm-hmm. But when somebody can speak from personal experiences, yeah. like when you can see it and you can see it, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's who you listen to. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Somebody who has not mm-hmm. experienced it, no. They, they don't have no idea the magnitude at all, the struggles. The, the denial, because a lot of it's denial. A lot of it's been in denial. I was in denial. I have no problem admitting that I was in denial. Mm-hmm. That I wanted to make something work. That I knew deep down. It's impossible. Yeah. Because the person was, doesn't know how to reconcile with themselves. They don't. But I was dead set on being the one that's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, and... um I was hurting myself in between. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and people ask, do you love yourself? You know, I'm like, yeah, I love myself. After this happened or before? This was during, you know, during, I was yeah. staying in it, you know. But yeah, I love myself. Then why you keep staying with it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. But I, I could never understand that question going through the process. Now that I am out of that process, now I understand there is no way that I loved or even knew myself. But when people ask you why you're 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 stuck and addicted to the chaos and yeah. the the drama and the excuses, and not only the excuses that their family makes for them, the excuses that you make for that person as well. Yeah. So that's why like our other episode was about shame. Yeah, I walked in shame. Yes. You feel like a fool. Yes. You know? And honestly. It took my children looking me in the face that I said, I have to love this person enough to let them go. So I didn't do it for myself. I did it for them, then myself. Yeah. They hurt you seeing your kids? Oh, God. I I, I, I don't. It's vivid. It's very vivid. Like, I can see my son's face as clear as day, like it was just happy five minutes ago. That that part of me is vivid, and that hurt. That hurt that I saw in my son. Yeah. For the second time. Yeah. Yeah. I said I can't do this. You know I cannot do this. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know I just. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hurt because then I had to think about it. I gotta be a. A mother. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm I really the only healthy kids. being yes. they have. Yes. 
It's, I was like, you know, if I'm gone, who gonna take care of my kids? You know, like I will. Cause nobody gonna love your kids the way you love your kids. You know, and I just, I had made up my mind that I was done. Mm-hmm. Now it took some time to keep him, you know, physically, but in my heart, in my mind, yeah. I was done with him, and I am, you know, um, it's it's. I wouldn't wish it on nobody. Yeah. So I sell myself. And I, I, and I explained to him, I know when I was a little girl, when I sat down and played with my dolls and I seen my future, this was not a part of it. Right. Kim ain't never hit Barbie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he never drowned her in the yeah. swimming pool. Like, you know, I was like, this wasn't mm-hmm. a part of my story. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not supposed to be here. You know, I was just, and so you battle with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you... You battle with, like you said, the shame and the, you know, the disappointment and everybody saying, you know, the talk and, and that's nothing you can't worry about. Yeah. What other people say mm-hmm. and what they see. Yeah. You know, um, I was totally resolved with that when I finally uh-huh. did the podcast. Like, but I don't see anybody doing what me and you are sitting here doing today or even our poor little producer that I feel like I've traumatized sometimes <laughs> because it's a lot. But I I thank God because like I'm her strength. Uh-huh. Because would you have gotten all this knowledge without this? Like it's not very much anybody's gonna like uh-huh. get past you or you won't bring them to me, right? <laughs> right. It's real. Yeah. It is definitely real. And it's um it's hidden a lot. Uh, it's hidden. People don't talk about it because it was just, you know, it's all people say keep it in the house. You know, I'm not keeping anything in the house. You know, and for me, I, I didn't talk about it. Um, I was already publicly humiliated because it was all over the news. You right. know, everybody knew about it. The school district knew about it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like I said, it was just everyone always to Atlanta to CNN, so it became national. It was mm-hmm. down in Memphis. It was it was everywhere. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, but for people like that, like personally knew you, it was not at all a desire to Google. I want to see that. I have never seen. Like when you just asked me, I have never seen. Yeah. You. Um, I, I, uh, I, so I can't imagine the people who were in your space in your world at that time when I was distant and got that news and I was just like why why would anybody because like you you were explaining your story and you were like I'm a fighter and I was sitting there thinking me and Leslie are not fighters <laughs> like, I'm seriously kind yes. gentle loving you know, yep, yep. Until like I tried to until I provoked, you Never know, provoked. And it's, and it's like to the point where it's like, do you defend yourself? And so I, a lot of times I would walk away. Mm-hmm. I would literally walk away. Like I would get in my car, and I would drive away, and that would be a trigger. It's it's more intensified, infuriating. Yeah, I could like I leave. I come back, mm-hmm. and we, it's like, I should have left. One of the scariest things somebody's ever told me that I can think about, hindsight, 
is it was a woman that I believe struggles with mm -hmm. this personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And she told me, it makes me mad when people don't argue back with me. I looked. And I said, there is something seriously wrong with that statement. At the time, you can't connect with right. that person. Mm -hmm. All you know is your soul was so uncomfortable with that. Right. Yep. I don't want to argue. Yeah. More peace. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't have back and forward. Mm -hmm. it, it, you can argue. You can say how you feel a thousand times. They don't hear you. And you're arguing with someone who does not, nor are they capable of solution. No. No. So now it's like no words, no fighting back, no arguing, because there is nothing in it. You're going to escalate something. You can write the on a page. <laughs> and and then you wrote it wrong, or you said it, or you the way you put it on the paper, or you put the pen down, the like that'll fight. Yeah, it's there is just people who cannot reconcile with themselves. They don't know peace, don't want peace. And it says a lot, which is, of course, we don't have time because I love to psychoanalyze his family. You can tell me <laughs> off camera. Okay. But like, it says a lot of how he was raised. And I can only imagine, I'll just reserve the rest for later, but yeah, it says a lot. His, his mom was so quiet and passive. You didn't even think that was his mom. Mm. You know, you really don't know where he comes from. Mm. You know, most of his family is afraid of him. Found that out, you know, after. Afterwards. So nobody will argue with him or challenge him. So when you live a life where no, you are not corrected in any capacity, you know, or your, your ego is bruised by any sort of criticism, like, how could you not build that God complex? Like, that is a scary place in life to be. Because he said he saved me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to this day, that's what he, he believes to say he believes. Yes. Yeah. And he thinks that he did. But I'm like, I, I'm here because of him. Yeah. He saved me. Yeah. I said the same person who attacked me, he shouldn't even have to save me. How does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, how does that make sense in your world? Like when you say that, it doesn't make sense. You so know? you've stopped trying to make sense out of anything, right? When it comes to that part of your life. Okay. Yes. Because that's the first part of your piece, is yes. that there is no making sense of any of it or rationalizing what no. goes through that person's mind. No. I tried. You know, I did. Oh, um, but. Yeah. I just had to realize that. It's not me, it's him. You know, it, it really took me going to uh, counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, I went back to my church home because I did leave for a while mm -hmm. um, because I was afraid that he would go over there and cause chaos. And I didn't want to bring chaos to anybody else. Yeah. You know, so <coughs> I went ahead and just, you know, stayed away. Mm hmm. Um, it was easier. It was easier to stay away. And when he, you know, when he got locked up, I went home. Mm -hmm. 
he don't want to belong. And um, like I said, I would trade him for nothing in this world. Like they, they have been there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they were there. They was there. Um, and then, you know, I had the incident during COVID, so after a while, COVID did, and, you know, he was isolated, which for me, I found to be a blessing. I was so thankful for COVID. It was a blessing because I was isolated, and um, I read more. Mm-hmm. You know, it just made my faith get stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, I was away from him. I was at home. You know, we couldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't go anywhere because at the time I was really ashamed of, you know, how I looked. Uh, mm-hmm. It's nothing like I look now, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I remember doing a, a, a Zoom meeting with one of my, uh, my nutrition new, coach. And I uh, was, you know, a couple months later, maybe, and I cut the camera on and she was so excited to see me, but when she saw me, she tried to hide it, cover it up really fast, but she was like shocked and hurt mm-hmm. and she just changed subjects so for me i was able to heal um and just get my faith stronger mm-hmm. you know and it, it, it helped it, it gave me i was more grounded um mm-hmm. i feel like i'm a little bit more hard than i was um mm-hmm. letting people in oh yeah you know i have that part of me where i just I have this fear of letting somebody get close because if I let people get close, it doesn't matter if relationship, friends, or whatever, then, you know, they're going to do something to mm-hmm. betray their trust. And I and I realized that I was too loyal of a person. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized I'll just be loyal to people who are just not loyal to me. And, it, um, it just changes your life, your perspective. I remember um, I was going through a little something-something. And... Um, my friend that called me and I said, I'm just distant right now because I don't want to disappoint anyone right now. And I don't want anyone to disappoint me. Like you just never want to take yourself back that low. No. And it, 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 that doesn't mean I was in a low place. It does. It just, I needed to step back mm-hmm. and reevaluate me because I know the work that went into mm-hmm. getting me, a little halfway through. Yes. Not even all the way through healing, you know. Yes. But I know what this side of healing looks like and I don't yes. I don't want to disappoint anybody and I don't want anybody to disappoint me. Exactly. That's how I feel. I'm and it's okay. Yep. Because you know what? It's safe. Yep. And peaceful. Mm-hmm. No stress. Because, you know, you got to be careful what you allow in your ear. Yeah, oh God. You know, and when they say like this like the eyes. Yes. It's like I forgot what they say the to the song. Yes, it, those things. It is real what we hear and so even my spiritual path has changed. Mm-hmm. Like when I was telling you the yoga and meditation, mm-hmm. it's not just a room, my whole spiritual outlook like I found God during COVID. Like I've always been known like you. I go to church. I've been on boards. Mm-hmm. I've done the children's ministry. Mm-hmm. I do VBS. Yes. But I have never known God like I know him in the beginning of that relationship mm-hmm. in March of mm-hmm. 2020. Okay. 
But my police incident was November of 19. And so you're going through the trauma of it all. But like, I'm telling you, like Alabaster's box, the the, the night he found me. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Like just, you know? So a lot of things have changed. And when your world is shaken up upside down and you realize you have nothing. And unfortunately, you know how faith works is that he pulls you from everything to let you know mm-hmm. that he is your everything. Everything. He was my everything. Mm-hmm. I remember scripture that came to me. Mm-hmm. Romans 12, 12, I will never forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm just telling you, read Romans 12, 12 over mm-hmm. and over again. Romans 12, I will never forget that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be patient mm-hmm. and prayerful in your affliction. Damn. And I never read the rest of that chapter until after. until after he got incarcerated. And when I read the rest of that chapter, it was the revelation when he said, if business is mine, your enemy they asked for something, you give it to him. I was never mean to him. I was never mean to him. Never spoke I a bad still word. Never, never spoke a bad word. I was still, if he needed anything, you know, desperately needed, I would be a helping hand, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I and I was I always was conflicted with that. Like, why am I still trying to help somebody who put me through all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't make sense of it. And I was like, I'm just being stupid. You know, you just, I'm battling with myself. Just battling with myself. And after he got locked up, something told me, I don't know how I got to that scripture, that chapter, and I read the rest of that chapter, and it all made sense. You finally could hear it. Yes. Mm-hmm. God was not telling me to do eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You still be you. You know, you still be that kind, loving, kind-hearted person. Don't allow somebody to change you, who you are, for the sake of God. Because that's who I am. Then I could be like him. Mm-hmm. I could have been like, I could have been bitter. I could have been yeah. evil. I could have been doing all those different things, but I did not. You know, and so I felt relieved. Mm-hmm. You know, I really felt relieved after that. That you were truly walking in. Walking in faith and walking in purpose and righteousness yeah. is like what you know I was doing what I was supposed to do not knowing because mm-hmm. I didn't read the rest of it. I mean you've heard it don't do after I but I never read the rest of that chapter but that scripture came to me so vividly it just kept repeating in my ear over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the scripture that was given to me was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, mm-hmm. and at even to this day, like I'll be leaving the gym and I'll pull my scripture. Like I probably pulled it 10 times in, mm-hmm. in 22, you know, like it, it it's constant. And, you know, everywhere I go, like there'll be a sign. And, you know, every now and then, like, you know, I'll call my friend who, who gave that to me. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's, it's just all over my life. Yeah. Like everywhere. And like, I really thought like, this is it. Like, life is over. Sorry. And I had no idea it was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I remember my pastor, he saw the hurt and the pain. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And he says, my God, my God. He said, I don't know what God has in store for you, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's going to be great mm-hmm. because of the pain. Yes. So my God, my God. Yes. I don't know what God has in store for you, but it's going to be great. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> I think it's starting now. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, they say it's, your purpose comes from pain. <laughs> you know, uh, they say you, when you go through things, you know, and this you think back in biblical times and things, they went through things. Think about Job. Yeah. Everything. Know, everything. Lost hey, everything. Lost everything. And he still gave the glory to God. Mm-hmm. You know, in a time, because I can't even imagine what the things that he lost, you mm-hmm. know, at that time. And you still drop on your knees. Mm-hmm. You glory to God. And it's like, well, we heard uh, about the other day. You know, it's, it's just... I give all mine to him because yep. I would not be here if it was not for him. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that, that that saying, like, my soul cried out, even in your moment of unconsciousness, there was nothing that stopped your soul yeah. from crying out. I had to. The, it did, yeah. you know? It was, because when I think about that, when they say, you know, you don't look like what you've been through, I don't look like what I've been through, <laughs> you know? I still have the scar that's there, you know. I, sometimes I be like, forget it, I don't care. But sometimes like, everybody don't know my story. And I'm like, well, they just don't know why it's there. You know, it's me learning to love myself again was a struggle, mm-hmm. right? And But when I really loved myself again, when I knew I was done with him, and I embraced it, mm-hmm. you know, to scar it all, um, that... That's purpose in it. And I think it was for me to start sharing and telling people. Because at first, like I said, I want to talk about it. But the more I talk about it, the better I would feel in releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and though, like, you're doing this to help other people, like, today is really about you. Like, this is the first time you've gone public, public? Yeah. Because I was nervous. Oh, you know. I feel like friend. Oprah. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> yes, I was so like so nervous, and I was just like, you know, my prayers was like, you got this, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, my minister Mill, she, you know, she prayed with me before I left church, and you know, and she's like, you got this, you can do this, and um, you know, release those nerves. And my other friend, she was like, go show your scar. Your scar is uh, to show the world that you are living your strength. It is your strength. It's your strength. It's showing them that you made it. Mm-hmm. You know, you survived. And um, don't cover it up. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll tell me. And I was like, you're right. You know, I was listening. I was like, but, you know, it takes time mm-hmm. when you are used to seeing yourself for, yeah, how old I was, 30 plus years, mm-hmm. you know, so see yourself different mm-hmm. and not at your not as your fault but at the hands of somebody else yeah you know but I, I just feel like hopefully somebody listens it's close to home it's ain't in another state it's not in another city if it is for those who live here it's close to home it's very close to home you know um, sometimes we take things for granted until it's close to home yeah you know my, my last interview on 
brought Thursday, uh, she was in Houston mm -hmm. and sh she's going to air, I don't know, sometime, mm -hmm. but like we're reaching people all over and it needs to just reach exactly who it needs to. It does. You know? It does. Oh, people need to be aware of, I don't even think people even know that there's a dedicated to it. I've been sharing it on social media, um, the signs, mm -hmm. you know, it's all there. Mm -hmm. The control, the calls of all the time, the isolation with mm -hmm. family and friends, it's all there. Mm -hmm. um, so people just, they're, they're unaware or the dysfunction becomes functional. Yeah, they think that it's normal behavior and it's not. It's not. And and one thing that I was sharing with my sister the other day, because just this past Sunday, the police was at my house, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it, just sharing with her, like, the cycle of abuse and like how I handled it. And I said, they use law enforcement to harass you. Like, like it has been almost four years, you know? And the thing is, is that I, I shared with her, like how many times did Nicole Brown Simpson call the police? And then eventually you're just another call and you're undermined by the police department. And so like, I live here. Yeah. Like, this is where my protection is, yeah. where my family is, where my resources are. Mm -hmm. What happens when I actually need y'all? Like, is that not scary? Whether it's, it's a home invasion, whether it's him, like whether it's somebody else, like how am I going to be protected? Taken seriously. Uh, I, when I know they, when we had the trial, mm -hmm. They pulled up every time the police came to the house, and mm -hmm. it was over 10. Mm -hmm. You know, they went through every single call, every single report, like, to the point I was just like, oof, why'd you wait so long to leave? You know what I'm saying? So I said, like, it was a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the system on it. Um, That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing because we're not here to understand the system. We're help. We're here to help people get through the system because yeah. it does not work in our favor. It does not. Or protections does. don't protect. They just need to throw it out the window. I have a suitcase. <laughs> I literally have to ride around with documentation at any hand. Like I no longer like live in fear. I, I understand what where um, protection and glory and peace and joy and happiness lies. Um, but that's why we are here is to help other people navigate around and through the court system that does, this is justice. Yes. What you have done today. Yes. Is justice. Yes. You know, and, uh, the woman that I said from Houston, you know, he's a pastor. Like we keep talking about on this podcast, this is happening in the church. Mm. This is happening in marriages and they're so hidden. Mm -hmm. And this is private justice. Yeah. Like, and she said, well, has anybody ever been sued from this? And I was like, well, jump in line, you know, for, for telling your story. And they're, they're still just asking that. There's still a level of fear that that person puts mm -hmm. her through. And 
there are just some things that I'm willing to, um, like that cross to bear or that cross to die on. And I think this is the cross that I'm just willing to, like this is, in this, in this season of my life, my mm -hmm. purpose and motivation to help other people tell their story yes. and be free from that story. Yes, you gotta be brave and not be ashamed or embarrassed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a, lot of it, a lot of it is shame. Mm -hmm. A lot of shame. And then even still, you're still worried about mm -hmm. their response, their reaction to it. Yes. So yes. you gotta be brave enough to know that you tell your story Mm -hmm. They're probably going to see or hear it one day, but they do. You have to say, "Who cares?" Mm -hmm. You know, because Daddy's still giving them power. Over yes, you're still giving them power to mm -hmm. shout, to shower from it, to be ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. It still gives them control over how you walk your walk through life, and it still allows them to control the narrative. Yes, so then you, you take control of it. Yes, you yes. take control of it. Well, Leslie, thank you for having the power today. Thank you. If you are wanting, you can very much show that scar. <laughs> if you are wanting to, uh, if not. Uh, it's there. Okay. Let's see. Um, I had a scar here today. I have a little bit of a scar here from when they, you know, uh, fixed my nose. Um, but your glasses cover it up. Glass covered up. I don't wear them often. Mm-hmm. Mostly my hair goes in. Yeah. But there have been times where I do pull my hair off my face and I wear a ponytail. Because then I just be bold and, you know, I move forward. And, um, you know, most people are like, you can't even see it unless you point it out, you know, mm -hmm. to make me feel better. Well, I can see it, of course. And, uh, I went to the plastic surgery for the last time back last year and she didn't see anything. She said there was no more surgeries that could be done. So like fat injections, I've had three or two, maybe three. And um, mm -hmm. she gave me a mirror and she asked, what do I see? Mm -hmm. You know, and then she asked, was I in counseling? And, um, you know, I just cried. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I cried and I cried because, you know, and she, she told me, um, you're never going to be the normal that you're looking for again. Ever. Thank yeah. God. So the reality I had to face at that moment mm -hmm. was that that can't be repaired. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I, I hurt from that mm -hmm. at that time. There's a um, episode I did a long time ago with Leah Jones. If you get a, a moment mm -hmm. and connect <clears throat> onto her page where she, she told a story about a finger, a wound, <sighs> and how, you know, the God of our afflictions and righteousness and sometimes that exposure. <sighs> you know, I, if, if you get some time. Okay, I will. Go and, and look at that um, and how she explains it was so beautiful and um, no one will ever see your wounds as, as as vividly as you do. But the one thing that we don't want to hear is, I don't see anything. Because you know what is there. Yes. And that that norm is always going to live with you. You know? And my biggest thing is that if you're not 
in counseling with somebody who challenges you, who brings you through and there's progress, like it's just like a doctor. Like we're going to find somebody that takes us to a higher, even when you're in strength conditioning in the gym, like you, you go from 10 pounds to eventually, <laughs> right. uh, you got to pick up that 12.5 <laughs> to the 15 yeah. because it has to challenge, yes. you know, different muscle groups um, to strengthen you. Yes. Um, yeah. I just, this is a very empowering situation. Um, I actually feel a lot better. Good. Than I did coming in. Coming in. I hear that a lot. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but you know, you think like, oh, you're gonna tell your story, but you know, I can talk about it with friends, family, but with others to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really, I think instead of like, I think we've been doing this for two hours, it really takes six hours. Like, I feel like I need half a day to go through my story. Just, just, like in increments yes like but the whole story like where i don't miss anything like even on this podcast the whole story doesn't come out Mm -mm. you know um but Mm -hmm. at least that you you are releasing yes the shame the guilt the secrecy um the hurt the pain like this is living in victory yes it is is i feel free yeah i have felt free for a while anyway but you know, like I said, the, the more I talk about it, the better I feel about it. And like you said, it empower and help someone else to see that this is real. It's real. It is not a lifetime movie. Though you feel like it. It is. Like, you look at them. I really can't watch movies like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Anything that's really violent, mm-hmm. aggressive, mm-hmm. I can't watch it. I right. just... I cut it off. If right. I see a lot of hidden, I I don't watch it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel good. I watched that one movie on Tubi. I should not have watched it. That if I can't, <laughs> he was. I, I don't remember saw which my one whole it is. life I don't in that movie. It was if I can't, and mm. it was if he can't have nobody else to leave. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert! If you watch it, when he kills her, kills the baby, kills himself in front of her mom. So it was. There was a period where I couldn't watch any of that stuff, but I'll watch, you know, some of the the lighter stuff of it because that's part of pushing me through. Like one of our girlfriends, like mm-hmm. part of my healing processes, mm-hmm. I went over there every weekend when my kids were gone, okay. and uh, we would watch scary movies because I was I, I don't do scary movies. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I would be over there hoping and hollering. And <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning and it's time to oh, go to wow. bed. Yeah. And oh, she thought I was going to the guest room. Uh, <laughs> no, you stay her. I got right in her bed. <laughs> Sorry. Like, <laughs> right. But that was my biggest challenge that I thought of how I was going to face my fears. Mm-hmm. And it seemed so silly. I couldn't watch a love movie. I couldn't comprehend a book. Right. Like you said, that one verse. Like, yeah. I couldn't read the Bible and truly absorb. Mm-mm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was your outlet. It, it didn't work. Like, it, <laughs> by the third or fourth, I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I I don't know. It's just a watch American Horror Story. Like, oh, I've never watched that. Probably watch that. not. I did the first season <laughs> like 10 years ago or whenever it first came out. But 
Like that's the biggest challenge that I have right now is being comfortable with the uncomfortable and facing my fears. I like that. And I challenge everybody to do it at your pace because mm -hmm. all of our traumas are different. Yes. But we we have them to overcome them. Yes. So I'm sure we're over time. Thank you guys for the, watching this episode. Leslie, tell them how to find you on social media. You can find me on Instagram under Leslie Thompson, uh, Facebook, Leslie Thompson. And you can also follow my small business, Pretty Brown Tea. You can find me there. Uh, TikTok is Miss Leslie T. And that's all my social media. Thank you for coming and sharing your story and being so brave. Thank you. Like, we really thank God for you. Thank you. So, yes. Thank you, guys. Please make sure that you tune in. And if you are ready, willing, bold, and able to share your story, you guys know how to reach us, lifeoflivingabundantly at gmail.com, or you can go to our website and go to episodes and fill out guest form. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Hey, guys. One thing that we're doing is we're trying to get people to share their stories. And I understand that some of you may still be in the healing process, embarrassed, or just really don't want to share your story publicly. We have a program designed where you can share your story anonymously. And what we'll do is you'll submit it to our secure platform and we will actually share your story anonymously. And then I'll give you advice. And that advice will help other people who are going through, I promise, some of the exact same situations that you are. Please reach out to us at lifeoflivingabundantly at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at lifeoflivingabundantly.com. Have a good day. Bye. Hi, guys. Thank you for enjoying that episode with us. I would love to ask you guys to do a few things for me. If you can, please subscribe, download, and leave a review. And if it is on your heart, please share an episode with anybody who may come to mind so that we can get this positive message out to those who need to receive it. Thank you. Bye-bye.